Elizabeth Chapel, a lifelong entrepreneur who finally found my niche. After years of new ideas and jumping from business to business, I figured out how to turn a craft into a successful career. In 2016, I started a monthly subscription box for quilters. That little startup has grown into a thriving, multiple six-figure business that I am so proud of. As a published author, designer of fabrics and patterns being sold throughout the world, my favorite thing to do is to teach others how to grow a career of their dreams. Each week you'll hear from me or from other guests who are creative entrepreneurs, so you can learn exactly what to do and what not to do to grow a career that's more rewarding and successful than you ever thought possible. If you're ready to turn your craft into a career that you love, I am so excited you're here. Welcome to the Craft to Career podcast. Welcome to episode 122 of the Craft to Career podcast. I am Elizabeth Chapel of Quilters Candy and the host of the podcast. This week, I am talking a lot about changes in not my business, which I have in the last couple of weeks, but changes to the quilt pattern writing course specifically, because when this podcast releases, there will be about three weeks until the quilt pattern writing course opens. It opens once a year for six days. And that's your time frame, your window to join the quilt pattern writing course. And this year I have completely redone the quilt pattern writing course with the help of an educator. And so I have this friend and colleague, Shannon Boyer, to come and speak about just where where we focused on with her help and her experience, what changes happened in the quilt pattern writing course this year and why. And I also wanted to just share with you listeners a little bit about the quilt pattern writing course at large. What is it all about? Why would someone want to take this course? Who is it for? And you'll hear as I talk with Shannon that that has evolved through the years. And so the quilt pattern writing course as of 2023, it is specifically for people who are serious about writing and selling quilt patterns. So this is not just like, oh, this could be kind of fun. This is for someone who is very serious about this aspect of their career. So writing and selling quilt patterns is a part of your quilty crafty career. And I do recommend that it is a part of your financial pie. You want to have many pieces of that pie, or at least a couple of pieces of the pie. And if quilt pattern writing is a part of the income, or you want it to be a part of your income, and you are wanting to learn how to do it in the most efficient way possible with no limits. Like if you have ever found yourself like, man, I really want to design this kind of a graphic or image or make it look this way, but I just don't know how the tools that I'm using are not enough. Then the quilt pattern writing course is for you. So in the course, you will learn how to use Adobe Illustrator and Adobe InDesign to write your quilt patterns. So those are industry standard. And I'm going to talk about what that means exactly. But when it comes to graphic design, the industry standard is Adobe Illustrator. When it comes to printing and publishing, Adobe InDesign is the industry standard. So what does that mean? I have seen a conversation happen where people are like, 
do you have to know how to use Adobe to have a professional quilt pattern? And it was a pretty heated topic. And even I was like, I offer a free course. You can learn how to write a pattern using canva.com. And Canva is a free platform. And my course is free. And I used Canva to write one of my best-selling patterns. So, you know, people are like, aren't you shooting yourself in the foot, Elizabeth? Like, does that nullify your course? Because you can write and sell patterns using Canva. I stand by that. You can. You can use Canva. And there will be people who are like, that's all I need. I don't want to learn anything else. Canva's great for me. That's wonderful. However, there are others who get to a point where they're like, oh, I, I'm stuck. I'm limited. Things aren't aligning the way that I wanted them to. I can't get it to scale the way that I want to. There's a graphic that I want to design and I can't. Like, it's just not working. That the functions and features are not available in whatever you know software program that you're using. And in fact, I have had someone in the industry who had been writing and selling patterns for years and was very successful, still is, and said, hey, I'm struggling with this certain design. And I was like, oh, easy. Send it over. I'll do it in Adobe Illustrator. And I record a little video. And she was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. So there, if there comes a point in your career of quilt pattern writing that you're like, I'm ready. I want to know how to use Adobe Illustrator and InDesign for whatever reason, then this course is for you. And also, if you're interested in ghostwriting, tech writing, self-publishing, this course is for you. So for example, um, there a friend, another friend of mine works for a large company in the quilting industry, and they hire ghostwriters to write patterns for the company and for their fabric designers. And they've had people apply who make beautiful, stunning patterns. However, they don't know how to use Adobe. And they literally could not hire that person until they learn how to use Adobe. Because when you get to a certain point in the industry, if you're passing files between each other, they're Adobe files. That's industry standard. So when you say, can you be a professional quote pattern writer? It just depends what your description of professional is. If you mean like a really beautiful pattern that's going to sell well, then no, then that by that definition, you don't need to use Adobe. If you mean professional as there's a standard that is across the board, everyone's using this across the industry so that you can share your files and work cohesively, then yes, you do need to know Adobe. And sometimes, even if you're like, I don't have dreams of being a ghostwriter, I just want to learn Adobe because I've been kind of curious. For whatever reason, if you are at a point where you want to learn Adobe to write your quilt patterns, then the quilt pattern writing course is for you. And I will say one of the major perks of learning Adobe. So yes, there is a learning curve. And that's why I provide the course for you to break it down and show you in the easiest way possible that you can do this too. Uh, but once you learn how to use Adobe, there are so many shortcuts and it becomes so quick and seamless and easy. I remember in college, uh, my husband, well then boyfriend, my boyfriend's roommate, he knew how to use Photoshop and he actually was like our wedding photographer and he did all, he would just, he was the best. I mean, we'd go on dates and he was always there just taking, we had a lot of photos of our dating time because of his roommate. 
So his roommate then would pull up Photoshop and he would just like, I mean, he was like a wizard with the keyboard. He would just move his fingers and all of a sudden he was doing this and that. And it was so quick. I was like, oh my goodness, he, how, what? I, my, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And now I feel like I'm doing the same thing with Adobe Illustrator and InDesign. If people don't know and they come in and watch what I'm doing, it's just, I hit this key and then I do this and I do that. It becomes so quick and so easy. And the way that you can make a professional looking pattern in a quick amount of time, and you can have templates. So every time you open up a new document, there's a template prepared for you. Uh, if you want to go to and self-publish, which I'm actually... Uh, we know we've talked about 2024. I'm not adding anything to my plate. However, I am considering self-publishing a book. So I'm not promising anything, but anyhow, it's on the docket and I have all of the skills to make that look. However, my little heart contents because I can use InDesign and Illustrator to make it look exactly how I want it to look. So Adobe Illustrator, Adobe InDesign, and then I also, you know, I mentioned I have this free Canva course. And when people take the free Canva course, there's a little survey at the beginning where I ask, what are your biggest challenges that come for writing quilt patterns? And what are you most excited to learn in this free mini course? And I've had thousands of people take that mini course. Gosh, I could be wrong, but no, I think anyhow. A large number of people. So that's how many responses I have. And so there are definitely patterns that I see when people want to learn how to write a quilt pattern. One of the, the main things that I see is the quilt math. And so I'll, I'll read a few different answers. So making sure the math is right, getting all the measurements correct. So everything aligns, uh, the seam allowance, making sure the measurements are right create different patterns where the math is right, the fabric is right, determining measurements and fabric requirements, fabric amounts, calculating. So math, quilt math is a big question. And so if this is something you are wondering about as well, uh, I will say that using Adobe Illustrator has been very, very helpful for me. So in the course, there are calculators. Some people are gifted. I just... I'm in awe when I meet, you know, the engineer types and the math comes so easy for them. I am a creative visual at heart and Adobe Illustrator has been my best friend where you can map out your fabric. Like I put quotes around this, cut your fabric without actually having to cut it and just make sure that your measurements are totally accurate uh, without ever having to cut into fabric. You can feel 100% confident that that's going to be accurate. So that's a huge uh, piece of mind for quilt pattern designers. The next number one thing that I have seen in the responses that's kind of a pattern is that I'll, I'll just read a few of these answers. Writing the instructions, having your pattern make sense to others, how to break down the steps. So basically, oh, and this one, I can create different patterns, but what happens next? So writing the process of how can I make sure that what I'm writing is cohesive, that it's concise, that it's organized and laid out well. And one of the things I'm really excited about for the 2023 quilt pattern writing course that I'm introducing is a style guide. 
So, you know, if you remember when you took English and you wrote a paper, they were like, write it in Chicago style and use MLA format, whatever that might be. We don't have that in the quilting world. It's kind of the wild west. And you quilters out there know that when you get a pattern, you're like, hold on, this one's way different from that one. And could there not be some sense of conformity and unity here? So I have met with people in the industry and gathered, you know, what is a must, what, what, what needs to be. And there are some areas where there's definitely differences of opinion, but at least now it's all laid out for you. At this point, I want to say there's like 30 steps, 27 steps. And by steps, I just mean it's 27 things that you really need to think about. And some of them, I will say, this is a must. This needs to be in the pattern. And others will say, consider this, but do consider it. Take a stance. Whatever you choose, whether it's option A, B, or C, do it all the time. Be consistent. Um, So all of these things to help you walk through to make sure that your pattern is doing X and not Y, and that you have Z in there, and that all of the steps follow a process and a workflow. And ideally, I would love to have some kind of um, unity within the quilt pattern writing world, more so for the customer, because I remember when I started quilting, reading a pattern and being like, what is this new language that I'm learning? That's a hurdle that can really keep people away from quilting. Our goal is to bring as many people as possible into the world of quilting, the wonderful world of quilting. And so if there's some uniformity, is that a word? Unity, conform, what am I trying to say? Similarity across patterns, that makes the barrier a much lower entrance. Like people are going to be much more, oh, this is familiar. This is consistent with every pattern I get. I know I can expect da, 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 you know? And the next thing that I see as a question was, images and creating uh, graphics to go in the pattern. And that's definitely one that I know people are like, you know, you see some patterns and they've got these, some have photos, which you can do, but to create a graphic design that shows how to make whatever you're making, you know, and that's that friend that reached out who'd been doing this in the industry for years. She got to a quilt pattern and the design was advanced. And she was like, man, I, I'm limited. I don't know how to do this. And so having this very powerful graphic design tool, but that also doesn't have to be so overwhelming. It doesn't have to be like, well, do I only use that if I'm making a totally like technical, difficult pattern? No, no. If you're just doing halves for triangles or anything like that, it's so easy to customize and make any kind of graphic that you want and break down the quilt top and zoom in and show a little area of the quilt and whatever you can create in your mind and imagine you can create that in your pattern using these, these tools and software programs. And one of the other the last thing that I'll point out that I see in the questions over and over again are um, the decisions of like design elements, colors to choose from, how to come up with creative ideas. And this is a part of the Quilt Pattern Ready course that I'm really excited about. I mean, it's been there before and it's just 
There's a few additions as like guest teachers that I have. So Sarah Watts of Ruby Star Society, for example, she has a whole bonus module that talks about color theory and how to choose fabrics that are on brand and how to add different size prints in your quilt pattern and things to think about when you're choosing colors and fabrics. Uh, but just the whole idea of coming up with ideas and having a brand, having a cohesive look once you really, I mean, it feels scary at first to narrow down and pick a niche and become like, okay, put a stake in the ground. I'm going to have this kind of look at first. It feels limiting, but then it really opens up the freedom of, okay, I know within the bounds of what I'm going to create. And when I do that, I will have more success as a quilt pattern writer. Um, a lot of people have this idea that I can just take a block and mix it with another block and I could come up with endless amounts of patterns. There is a rhythm to having success with quilt pattern design. And it's not just pumping out a bunch of patterns and the more patterns I create, the more success I'll have. In fact, it's usually the opposite. And it's usually by being very uh, strategic and thoughtful about your designs and really taking into consideration things like the colors and the fabrics and what kind of blocks, what kind of look, what kind of feel. Um, and so that's something that I love talking about and teaching in the quilt pattern writing course. And so now I'm going to bring in and introduce Shannon Boyer, who has been just such an amazing guide, a team member to help improve the quilt pattern writing course. So let me introduce you to Shannon Boyer. So Shannon, thanks so much for being here. I've had you on the podcast before, but this week in particular, we are looking very like microscopically at the quilt pattern writing course. And so I definitely wanted to have you on because you have been instrumental in the changes that are happening in 2023 with the quilt pattern writing course. Um, so first of all, just kind of a recap. Well, and I, it's somewhat vulnerable for me to, to ask you this, but I'm here for it. So <laughs> I'd love to know why you reached out to me because that's how it happened. You reached out to me and you were like, by the way, this is what I do. Would you be interested in working with me? So tell me where you came from, like history of all of you know this. <laughs> okay, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Yes, um, it's been such a pleasure to be working on the course and working with you. Um, and I'm so excited for it to, to launch this fall. Um, so basically, my background is that I have been an educator for more than 20 years. I'm an award-winning educator, um, and I have my master's degree in education. And I recently have, you know, started to pivot my career um, as a result of having my kids. And so I took the quilt pattern writing course, um, partly out of interest and partly out of looking at different career options. Um, and while I was taking the course, I saw that there were, um, it was coming to a point where you had started to make changes in the course. Um, and I could hear things that you were saying about things that you had changed, um, things that you wanted to change. Um, and it just became apparent to me that the course was at that point in its life cycle where it was going to be time for a renewal. So 
all, you know, you know, based on my experience and my history that all courses kind of go through this life cycle where every three to maybe four years, it's time to do a complete overhaul. You make little changes along the way as you get feedback from your students, as you start to notice questions people have, things you want to do differently, changes in technology and in the industry, et cetera, et cetera. You make those small changes along the way, and then you get to a point where, okay, it's time to do a complete redo, complete overhaul and start from the beginning. So I could tell that, you know, the course was getting to that point. And so I just reached out and said, is this something you're thinking about doing? I would love to work with you and be a part of it and um, collaborate on turning it into something amazing. And I'm so glad you did, which when you were on the podcast before we talked about this, well, and I mentioned it, but you did such a good job of being aware, you know, you were there, you noticed little things that I was saying, and you're like, ah, this is an area that I can help in. And you've completely been a huge help with the course. So I kind of want to touch on some of the changes that that are happening in the course. Like, what are you the most excited about and proud about, you know, helping with the course? Yeah. So I think one of the things that we've done, one of the major things that we've done is just really hone in on and identify who is the ideal student for this course, who is the course for, and what is the outcome that we hope they achieve as a result of taking the course. And by doing that, that has then allowed us to work backwards and figure out what are the different components that need to be taught um, what needs to be taught in each of those so that this, we can make sure that the students are achieving that uh, objective by the end of the course. So, you know, completely restructuring the course, really picking what do students need to know, what do they is not important for them to know, what's going to get them to their goal in the most efficient way. Um, and then working within each of the modules and within each of the lessons to structure them for the same reason, to make sure that students know what it is they're supposed to be learning, that we're using, um, you know, the pedagogy of teaching, which is like the science and theory of teaching to make sure that students are learning in a way that's going to um, help them achieve their outcome um, in the best way possible. And so we've done that, you know, we work together to structure each of the lessons and all of the modules in a very sequential way um, so that not only do we know what this, we want students to learn, but they know what it is they're supposed to learn um, so that we're just very transparent about that. And then using different methods and techniques to ensure that they achieve those goals. Which I've been really grateful for. I mean, one of the things that has greatly changed with talking with you and thinking through this, and it's evolved through the years. Like when I first opened the Quilt Pattern Writing course, it was basically anyone who wants to write a quilt pattern, come and I'll teach you. And then the second year I was like, oh, but some people don't want to pay for Adobe. So I'm going to teach for, you know, you could work, you don't have to buy Adobe. And then I was like, that is not working. I cannot teach all the things to everybody. And so that was really great for me to chat with you and be like, no, 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 it's I teach how to use Adobe. And we're really honing in on this. And someone who wants to learn Adobe at their, you know, at a professional point in their career, they're taking this seriously. This is like next level. And so I'm not trying to reach everyone, you know, this is like 
for that level. So that was very, very great and like valid freeing for me, you know, of like, oh, okay, I don't need to try and be everything for everyone. Yay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the outcome, I mean, knowing that changed the course, there were chunks of the course, chunk is a gross word. There were large parts <laughs> of the course that you're like, what if you were to take that out? And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, yes. And so it makes it way less overwhelming and a lot easier to accomplish what they want. And then I really loved your direction of like, I mean, before with the Q and A's, there would be a lot of questions and you have really structured the course and helped me structure the course in a way that is going to eliminate a lot of questions by like, okay, learn this, try this, do it, come back and watch it. Um, just, and not even to mention before I would think through, I'm like, yeah, okay. I think the best way to teach it is to go in this order and to have someone else who not only like pedagogically, pedagogically, however you say that, um, you know, education, but you, you'd been through the course and it was so helpful to have a soundboard of like, should I do this first and then this? No. Okay. Let's try that. And just to have someone else to think that through, like what's the best way to present this and most logical progression, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, curriculum design and course design is an advanced teaching skill. I know seasoned teachers who don't know how to do curriculum design and wouldn't even try to do course design. So it is a difficult thing to do. And it is even more difficult to do in isolation and by yourself. I love working as part of a team and working with other people. And I have done it many times to create um, curriculum. And you just bounce ideas off each other and it sparks creativity and it makes the end product so much better when you're able to do that as, as part of a team. And I think what you're saying, you made two really important points. Like one about the feedback when you're getting feedback is super important to get well during your course and at the end of your course as well. And Amy Porterfield just did uh, an episode on her podcast very recently about updating her courses and how she does that every two to three years, which I was so glad to hear her say, because sometimes people think, well, you just do a course and then that's it. You make passive income for the next 10 years, but it's not a set it and forget it thing. Um, so it was great to hear her say one of the things she talked about was feedback and how important it is to get it. But the thing about that is that You have to know what questions to ask in order to get valuable feedback. And then you need to know what to do with the answers. You can't listen to absolutely everybody. You can't um, please everybody. And not everyone's feedback is as valuable. Um, So you have to know how to look at it and how to take it. You also have to have an anonymous way for people to give you feedback. And so that's something you and I have done as well as interviews and focus groups that I did that you allowed me to do without you being present, um, you know, with your former students. And that gave us some really valuable information to go off of. And then you talked about the Q&As. When you have high quality content in your course, it just ups the game for your live Q and A's, because now instead of answering all these really technical questions that maybe apply to like a couple people, but not the whole group. And you get kind of like down in the muck and mire of fixing this one person's problem. Now you've elevated your Q and A to have some really robust and valuable like conversations and discussions um, that apply more to the whole group. Um, and that are much more valuable and meaningful for everybody. And I really appreciate too, like 
with your guidance, the, the what I kind of touched on before, the the outcome being more for professionals um, that this course is geared for. And I love that you're like, what if, I mean, even the whole guest bringing in guests and having bonus modules and the difference between what's a bonus module and what's a core module um, was very enlightening for me. And for you to to point out like, Remember, this is for the professional. So every, you really want to, you're gearing towards people who want to get published, who want to open up distribution accounts, who are thinking about this and that. And so we have a whole new lineup of guest bonus modules that are totally in line with this ideal customer who's looking for this outcome. And so it's all just, it feels much more tailored um, and thought out, which again, I'm very much like, please don't not do something just because you're not at this professional level or like, I can't hire Shannon to help me yet that you've got to go out and do it. You know, it don't, I'm so glad. I don't feel like, Oh, the course was a failure before it was a phenomenal course. I mean, I have alumni and people, everyone. It's just like with anything, you never want to stop learning. You never want to stop progressing. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is just, you have to start somewhere. Uh, Everybody has to start somewhere. So I have all of this education and experience. And if I were to put out a new course today, it would be far from perfect. I would put it out with what I thought my audience wanted and needed based on some research that I had done and some other things that you need to do before putting a course out there. Um, But then I would continue to tailor it based on um, feedback that I received, things that I noticed myself that could be done better. Um, and I would continue to tweak it um, and change it as it evolved and ha- as I evolved as a person. I always say that teaching, I compare it to yoga. Teaching is like yoga. It's a practice. It is something that you are never going to be perfect at. You're going to be better at on it better at it on some days rather than other days. And every class is going to be different and have different needs um, and different skill sets. And so, yeah, using um, a curriculum expert to help you with the course actually is like says that you understand all of those important things about a course. It's it's no slight <laughs> on mm-hmm. anyone to do that. And in fact, the people who are making the millions of dollars in their courses have hired curriculum experts to help them with their courses. So if you're ready to take your course to the next level, if you're ready to you know go that extra milestone to scale your course and scale your business, then you do want to get involved with somebody who can add that additional layer to your course. And I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this as well, because you're in education. I'm okay. I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about becoming obsessed with your product and making it the best you possibly can. So me, even this year, my course is leaps and bounds better but I already am like, okay, I'm going to do it again next year. I'm going to reevaluate. And I'm going to, I, I don't know if I'll ever get to a place where I'll be like, and it's perfected. Like, you know, I just don't know, but I crave, it's almost this excitement about like, how can I make it better? What questions, how can I, it's this weird obsession. Like I, and so, but then I've talked to other people and they're like, I would never want to teach a course on quilt pattern, you know? So (laughs) what is it? Like, why are some people wired to be like, 
yes, I'm obsessed. I want to, how can I make it better? And other people are like, no, thank you. Well, there's two things. First of all, you have to be teaching something you love. You have to be teaching something that lights you up and that you're passionate about because not only is that something that you're going to want to invest the time and energy into, but that passion and enthusiasm is translated into your course and your students hear it in your voice and they see it in the quality. And so if you don't, if you're not teaching something that lights you up, you're kind of behind the eight ball before you get started. So that's one aspect of it. Um, But another aspect of it is just understanding what it takes to be at the top of the game there, you know, there are a lot of courses out there. And um, if you want to stand out, especially now with chat GPT and people being able to just put content out there so easily, if you want to stand out, if you want to be at the top of the game, you do need to bring an additional level to it. And one of the things I have noticed is that Everybody has that experience of having that teacher in school who was like so bored and counting down the days until retirement and like they were bored and you were bored and it was just like, when is this over? Well, that happens when people get complacent, when they just do the same thing again and again and again. And if you want to have that excitement about your course, if you want to be reinvigorated and be able to show up with all that passion and excitement, you do need to keep working on it and updating it and making it better. Um, And so that's why you're excited to keep going because you are continuing to do these things and keeping that flame burning. Yeah, that's really kind of fun to hear. And then as you're talking about the terrible teacher, I'm like, oh yeah, I can think of Mrs. Whatever, you know, but then (laughs) in the same breath, I thought of those amazing teachers who like, I thought I hated biology till I had Dr. Booth, you know, and I'm like, it was actually amazing. And he came out with the, like the Lion King playing and like the circle of life and, you know, so yeah, just the power that a teacher can have. And I studied education in school, English, English. And my dad's like, so how are you going to earn money? I'm like, I don't know. So I tagged on education, you know, so I took some education, education classes, but the word pedagogy, I do remember that word. But again, I, you said it's the science of learning. Is that right? Yeah, it's the science and theory of education and, and how people learn. Yeah. So if you could just share a little nugget of like how, what is something a teacher can do to help make sure that their students are learning? What would something be? Okay. So one of the things that um, we've done in this course and that I really love for people who are teaching a skill is the gradual release of responsibility. So this is the one, one of my colleagues jokingly calls my voodoo. It's not my technique, um, but it's basically the I do, we do, you do technique, which is why he calls it voodoo. Um, But so I do, so the instructor does or demonstrates or shows how to do it. We do it together Now, online, it's different than in a classroom, but basically what you're doing is you are gradually taking away some of that support so that the student has an opportunity to do it with your support still, and then you do it. And so the student is on their own then, um, and they try to, you know, work through those skills and do it without the support, but then they get to come back and see how they did it well Um, or not how they did it the same or differently, what they could do better or differently next time. Um, And then, so that's the I do, we do, you do. I like to add on another you do, which is like kind of the creation part of it. 
So the first you do is they're trying to do it like you do. The second you do is, see, this is why it's voodoo. The second you do is because now they are trying to add their own spin on it. They're trying to take that information and apply it and create with it. Um, and, and so that gradual release of um, responsibility in the teaching process is what gives students the confidence and the skills and abilities to then take things out into the world and use them as their own. And that right there, first of all, it took me a while to learn. I felt so dense at first. Like you would say, okay, this is how we're doing it. And I'd go and do it. You're like, oh, no, let's try it again. I mean, you'd say it in a nicer way, but I was like, oh my gosh. So finally, I get it. I get how to teach like that. I think that right there is what is going to make the weekly Q&As so much better because they will already have had so many of their questions answered just by doing what you said right there. So it's very powerful learning. And in doing so, a little bit of research and asking alumni, they're like, it'd be great to have some guided lessons where we have like go and practice this and come back. And so, I mean, maybe they were an educator. I wonder if they knew. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you never know. You never know. But I think that it's one of the things that's great about having um, had the opportunity for us to work together over an extended period of time is it has really given um, you the opportunity to um, internalize a lot of these things. So it's not me doing it. I don't do that. I will not come in and say that I can write your course for you or create your course for you. Mm -mm. Uh, I will work in partnership with you. And through that process, you have um, upped your skills, your teaching skills so much that you're now able to take those and apply and, and run with it on your own. So I think there's really kind of like that additional benefit to the work that we've done as well. Absolutely. Do you see that though, when you work with people, is it, is it common for people to be like, I'm sorry, what, how am I teaching? Like, explain this process to me? <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime you learn something, any anytime anyone learns something, you need to be um, exposed to the information and the skill several times. You don't learn it the first time that you're exposed to it. And that's a mistake. That's a common mistake that people make in their courses is they think because they've quote unquote taught it that their student has quote unquote learned it or that they've said it. So their person has heard it. And it just doesn't work that way. Um, And so that's sometimes where people um, get frustrated because their students are asking the same questions over and over again. And they're like, this is in the course. Did you not watch the course? I have a whole video on this. That's an indicator to you that that's something that needs to be reinforced more or explained differently or um, you know, it, it just needs to be enhanced in some way in the course. So Um, one of the things we did was we looked at feedback, but we also looked at past Q and A's for like, what were the topics and what were the questions that came up and that came up again and again. And those are really, um, important indicators also of where you can start looking at your course when you're updating it. Yeah, it was actually really good for me to experience that. I think you even pointed out at one point, I was like, oh, I feel kind of frustrated or I don't know what the word was, but like, I can't believe I'm having to have you explain this again. And you were like, this is how your students are going to feel in your class. And I was like, oh, that is absolutely right. And so you would even say, don't, don't shy away from explaining this again or pointing that out again, just as I have in this way. I was like, aha, that is true. Like I have to see it multiple times just as they will. So it was kind of like, good in a, in a way, you know, to feel that while I was preparing my lesson. 
Yeah. Some of the most important learning that I've done as a teacher is being a student again, myself and going through that process against being on the other side of it. And yeah, there are a lot of aha moments that you have when you're on the other side of the chair. So, yeah. So for our listeners who are like, well, hold on, who is this Shannon and how can I find her? What does she, can she do her voodoo magic for me? (laughs) Where can they find you? Uh, yeah. So on Instagram, it's Shannon L Boyer, B-O-Y-E-R. Um, and uh, my website is the same. So www.shannonlboyer.com. And on my website, I have a free guide that anybody can download. It's called seven things your course must include to max student referrals. It's a guide and checklist. Um, and there's also a, a coupon code inside of it to have a free discovery call with me and then a discount on initial coaching services. So if anyone is thinking that they might want to explore further, the discovery call is like not a sales pitch. It is no strings attached. Um, Let's just look at what it is that you need and what I offer and whether or not, uh, you know, it makes sense to work together. And I will just say this is offered at the time of this recording, but I guarantee down the road, you are going to be like, I can't offer that anymore. So if you're listening to this in the future and Shannon's not <laughs> offering that anymore, I'm so sorry. But if you're listening to this like now, when it comes out, jump on this opportunity because um, we've talked a lot about the business. When people are first starting up, they offer these things that as you grow down the road, you you just can't offer anymore. So it's a very generous, great deal. Um, that's very generous of you to give that. So, yeah, which, okay, before we go though, real quick, <laughs> you touched on this thing that I want to, um, you said the, the free thing that you have, it's seven things your course must have for. To maximize student referrals. Okay. Student referrals. So we've talked about this. So student referrals, but also how about completion rates? Like anyone who teaches a course, you know, that if you look at completion rates, which I hope you are, if you offer a course, you can always improve. Not every student is completing that course all the way through. And why is that? I mean, there's multiple reasons, but speak to that a little bit. Yeah. So there are lots of reasons why a student um, wouldn't complete a course. And in fact, I've heard people say like, well, once they're in the course, it's not my responsibility anymore. Like they have life things that happen and, and this and that. So one of the things that I believe is that if you take people's money and you offer a course and they take the course and you are teaching something, you're an educator. And as an educator, you have a shared responsibility for that student's success. So it's a 50-50 partnership. They are responsible for showing up, doing the work and putting in the effort. But you are responsible for creating quality content that um, gives them every chance of success and guides them along the way so that if they want to, they can become successful. There are a lot of other things that go into it. You and I have talked about, um, but ultimately as the educator, as the course creator, you want your students to be successful for so many reasons. I mean, first of all, We are doing this because we want to help people. We want people to achieve the transformation. If they're not accessing your course, logging into your course or completing your course, then they cannot achieve that transformation that you're hoping to help them with. So there's statistics out there that say for online classes, like 
some say 7%, 10 to 15% of students are completing the course. It's very, very low. So that's a lot of opportunity for you to be helping your students in a much better way. You know, 85% of your students do not have personal issues that are preventing them from achieving the course. There's something else that's going on there. And so what the other reason that you want students to um, complete your course is because they're going to give you awesome referrals. They're going to potentially be affiliates for your course and help you find more students down the road. Um, but also they're going to be looking to buy other products from you. So they already know you, believe in you, trust in you, have given you their money once if we're going to just be like honest about it. And so they're much more likely to buy another product or another course from you if they've had a successful experience with you the first time. So it's a huge opportunity for course creators to tap into to try to improve their course completion rates and their student referrals. And so that's what I talk about in the guide is like how to make sure you have that high quality content that's going to help your students complete your course and then give you amazing referrals as a result. Yeah, which is huge. And I love that. I mean, because some people might be like, well, I don't care about the referrals. But if you're talking about all those other reasons, I mean, it's shocking when you share those statistics, like that few of a percentage of a completion rate. And so clearly there's room for us to improve and not us, meaning you and me, the world at large, you know, the yeah. online education to make this more engaging and successful. So reaching out to people such as yourself to get help with that to like, because whoever's putting out a course, they're good at what they do, right? Let's say quilting. Oh, I'm going to offer a quilting course. You're really great at quilting. You're not necessarily a professional educator, you know? So to reach out right. to someone who is and team up and make this beautiful marriage of like, I have a great skill. Can you help me teach it in the best way possible? That's, you know, a match made in heaven. So yeah, absolutely. That's, that's exactly it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I hope people go and find your, uh, the what PDF, what are we going to call it? Yeah, it's a PDF. <laughs> it's a guide slash checklist for uh, a whole bunch of amazing things. <laughs> yes. And the free, uh, call with you. So that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I'm really awesome. excited about it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast to chat about the update of the course and to just kind of share a little behind the scenes of what has gone into this and, you know, the thought process and work that we've done together. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing working with you and I'm so excited to see the course launch this fall. you have enjoyed this episode of the quilt pattern writing course both for those who are interested in taking the quilt pattern writing course which again opens september 8th through september 14th and for those of you who want to write or create your own course that this is such a great look behind the scenes of how i have created the quilt pattern writing course the kind of help and guidance that i've got things that i've considered tweaked changed uh, a lot of food for thought here when it comes to creating a course and for those who are particularly interested in the quilt pattern writing course. So thank you so much for being here on the Craft to Career podcast. I will see you next Friday with a brand new episode. Until then, take care. Take care.